podcast i don't know why i struggled with saying crash course podcast but yes it's that time again um uh, i've got good news for everyone good news everyone john won't be able to talk that much this week he's sick and uh he was screaming his lungs out for the super bowl so he'll be talking but his voice is scratchy and he's got why don't you give us a demo john i hate you both so very very much (laughs) like the roles wouldn't have been reversed how about the album no a, B, C, D, damn it. Wow, already, his voice already broke. Um, oh, this is going to be entertaining. So uh, this week I actually uh, went out of my way to listen to um, M83's newest album, their double album um, featuring Midnight City, which we've talked about previously. The album's pretty good. I like it. I'm thinking about doing a written review for the website, though I haven't decided yet. But uh, but I'm enjoying what I'm hearing so far. It's Matt, a- Matt was proud. He made two CDs fit out in one. One disc yes it's all magic all magic i mean you know by my legal way that i prepared the album in the first place purely obviously that's um, good that topic's gonna come up at the end it probably yes <laughs> well yeah it'll be a little crossover believe me um have you guys been listening to anything no music what's music no, I, I forgot. I, I've, I, I I've, literally. I want you to explain to me in a sentence what music is, Matt. Go. It, it's stuff you listen to now. Um, I watch. John, I, John is stuff I'm listening I, to right I, now. I, I, I'm, ac- <laughs> I'm actually uh, kind of uh, happy that I've been going out of my way to listen to more music in the last couple days because I've been kind of not as much as I'd wanted to. So I've kind of been forcing myself to listen to music for a couple hours a day at work, just so I can get back in the swing of listening isn't, to isn't more. That like our like, whole shtick. Like, listen to music. It'll make you feel good. <laughs> well, except that when except when you're listening to your iPod on random and depressing stuff comes on. We have a slogan that goes something like that, right? No, we don't. John, so what do you <laughs> listen to? We don't? What? <laughs> Nothing. That's helpful. Steve? What? <laughs> How am I supposed to explain? <laughs> I don't know. I can barely speak. Um, I was listening to a lot of uh, Jet Set. Oh, right, Jet Set Radio Future. Uh, I'm looking for some Jap Pop to bring on the show. Mm. I really want to do some Jap Pop. <sighs> that would be interesting. I, c- I can't use any other adjectives. Just interesting. That's, yeah. yeah. That's all I got. Uh, <laughs> what have I been listening to? I have no idea. I really yeah, don't. Helpful. This week, I can't, I can't contribute. Simply can't. You mean just like last week when you didn't have anything either? For hey, I did to. have something last week. Just I don't like remember what it is right week. now, but I did. Not every week. No, he does give us a word to look up in the dictionary. That's right. There's I, that. I contribute. I, my, which is nice. Uh, anyway. My reasons here are valid. <laughs> I contribute something to society. Well, we go that far. I don't need to take this. Where are you going to go? Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll ship my anyway, chair over an inch or something. Back on to focus, Steve. Uh, this, week, this week, Steve's contribution is... 
his pick, which Came was... back. The album is Information Retrieved. This is their latest record. It came out last year or this year? Is it brand um, new within... This recent? is 2012. This is 2012. Okay. So, yeah, the end of last year? It's practically this year, right? You know... But, but anyway, Pinback is a band that I've been listening to for a while now. A good friend of mine got me into the band back in college, and I gotta say, it's a very very late 90s, early 2000s underground kind of sound. But there's a lot of crossover there between Prague, between, uh, between modern indie rock. Um, it's always been kind of an intriguing sound to me, so I did have very, very high expectations for this album. And we're gonna see what that entailed. Anybody want to start? Uh, we'll Other than me, uh, I'll get right into it. Uh, proceed I'll to save me- my breath. <laughs> proceed to memory was the first track. Uh, as far as intro tracks go, it was fairly standard and straightforward. Nothing spectacular. Uh, a decent introduction to the band, some nice indie rock stuff, but nothing as far as uh, this kind of progression that Steve was describing. Yeah, good vocals, but safe. Very, yeah, very, very safe. Very, safe. very. That's why I kind of said standard intro. Um, it was very safe. Yeah. Yeah, the entire debate I was having throughout this whole entire album, and of course I'm going to start the whole first song, is uh, whether it holds up to their previous work, which I was looking for more of a prog thing. I was looking for more of a next section, next section, or if they're going to vamp along one thing for a long time, then it better be a really, really good vamp. And this was just basically your standard verse, chorus, verse, chorus. So I try not to judge too much at this point, but it was a good song. It's not a bad intro. I think it... Got most of you interested? No, yeah, it wasn't bad by any means. Yeah. It was just safe, but it wasn't, you know. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't do much. It was fairly standard, yeah. All right. So let's go into Glide. Glide I loved. Glide had such great guitar work. That's that's the guitar work that's really indicative of their kind of sound. Yeah, you see it a, 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 quite a few more times throughout the uh, album. I was hearing a lot of abandoned pools in their uh, vocals. Interesting. Yeah, they, they shared that a little bit, the kind of higher vocals. And their composition. Both, both spots. Yeah, maybe in some of the tracks. I don't think in everything, but yeah. Well, that's also like I played for Steve, a band called Everly, who also, who's relatively new. They've only had a couple albums that had a very similar sound on some of their tracks to Pinback, which Steve had agreed when I played it for him, especially with some of the singers. Yeah, I did, actually. That's, um, that's always very interesting when you when you hear a band that you previously think is so distinct, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, whoa, this, this, this has been copied. It's yeah. kind of like, a, you know... Oh, you thought your band was so special, but then you're also happy that you have new music in that style. So um, I'll be checking out Everly, believe me. Um, I don't know, anybody have anything else they want to say about Glide? Glide was pretty straightforward also. It had great guitar work, but other than it's, that, it was kind of a pretty straightforward track. Yeah, it's, a, it's straightforward, and yeah, it's that guitar work that really shines here. And it shines on later. It's kind of a consistent feature um, about Pinback. So let's go to Drawstring. This, was this the, is where I felt they, they kind of broke through on yeah, this album. This was the first standout track, which, which had like this great kind of bass work in tandem with a beautiful piano throughout the track. Yeah, I had some high hopes here, especially with that piano. I was getting tired at this point with the need to have instruments harmonizing with the vocals. And that's something I'm going to have to disagree with you on. Because yeah. I think that's something that they actually do really, really well, and I've never been no, tired of that with Pinback. It works, but it makes it too hard to actually understand what is going on in the song itself, vocally, lyrically. It works. It sounds great, but I can't follow what he's saying. It's hard to understand you vocally right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably easier to get me right now than, than it was able to get them. 
Um, well, fair enough. So you're a lyric guy. So uh, from that standpoint, I can understand. Uh, granted, I've sat with older Pinback for a very, very long time, so picking up their lyrics was not a problem with those harmonies. Um, but it, on a first it, listen, no, it is difficult. It does sound great, though. I will say I think, that. I think yeah. with Drawstring, though, I kind of, and I can actually pull this from um, M83, a lot of M83 tracks, I'm very comfortable never knowing the lyrics and just letting it be an yeah, instrument. M83 is not a band that I associate with, with like uh, vocals or lyrics at all. Right. It's really just, So for, I think most of the most memorable songs of M83 were instrumentals for me. <clears throat> But that being said, because I was in that kind of mind frame, drawstring, I was kind of comfortable with not really focusing on the lyrics and just letting the vocals bleed into the rest of the instrument. Yeah. Because I'd been doing that a lot with uh, M83. Um, it's weird how the lyrics can uh, sometimes come later to you. That all of a, like, you know, after you sit with uh, the song for a while, then all of a sudden. But I, can't, I, can't... I can't determine that, because based on the first listen, it's true. I couldn't really pick up the lyrics either. Although I can safely say that John has now wrote, wrote the words, I concur and I disagree on his notes, so he can point to them when he agrees or disagrees with us. Uh, no, I want to make him suffer through this. you got to speak. you got to use that rasp. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, at this point, though, definitely track three is where the album started to pick up a bit. You know, we started to get to the meat of it, um, although I still think it hits its highlight and its stride towards the end of the album. Um, the next track, Sherman, was different. I loved it. I was enjoying the prog structure here. It is very interesting. This, this moved in, in, in. This was probably one of my favorites, actually. It had great apprehension in the lyrics, which I got right away. I pointed out to Steve. Sung it sung in such a, a melancholy feel. It was gorgeous that way, and it had great instrumentation to go with it. Yeah, I had a very interesting experience with this because at that moment, like right before he pointed that out to me um about how it was actually you know playing off of the lyrics i i was having this impression that that as as a as a song the instrumentation was kind of thin it seemed a little a little used kind of sparingly and it, it it contrasted the earlier two tracks which were a little bit more cluttered, a little bit more production work going right. into them this was a lot thinner which interestingly enough is a lot more similar to their earlier work that i think of in retrospect uh, is that their first album was 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 very thin, very bare bones kind of material, um, and it, it grew on me. After uh, after a while, it really really grew on me with this track. I liked Sherman. I thought it was going to be one of my favorites, and it is still one of my favorites, but it's definitely not my favorite track. But we'll get to that later. Um, I don't really have much to say about Sherman. You guys kind of really hit the nails on the head. Uh, his phase, however, the next track was very eighties. It kind of had oh. that great. <laughs> Men at Work sound, Steve pointed out. Yeah, it reminded me of Men at Work. so much of Overkill. It's the effect they use on the guitar. It's just, yeah. It was almost inescapable at times. Oh, yeah. How much it just came but I right like out that. of there. I mean, I love Men at Work, so I was definitely yeah, I, very okay with I'm that. I'm a long-time fan of Men at Work, so no problems there. It had great layering in and out of the song. Uh, once again, drowning out the vocals. And I'm getting a little tired at this point because Sherman... Had great lyrics, great vocals. I got them. This one, I kind of wish I heard them. Yeah. I heard glimpses of something interesting. Then again, Matt also pointed out, and I have to agree here, that this is the kind of track that I feel like you're not supposed to like hone in on as much with the vocal. It's more because, of a background noise. Because point. of the complications in the layering, I definitely understand that. And I was able to appreciate it for that. Okay, fair yeah, enough. That's fair. Um... Uh, track six, however, really stood out just because the piano just took very much center stage. 
And that's why I really liked it, is it was very much a piano track. See, I say Sherman, in retrospect, was my favorite track, only because this was so close, but it did that thing yeah. that we always worry about. It, it just didn't go anywhere. Like, I loved the beginning. I really, 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 really loved the intro, but they just didn't go big enough. They no. just, they, they... It built. That potential was there. Mm-hmm. And then when it came time for that chorus, it was just like, uh, hey, yeah, let's turn it up a little bit. Let's sing in a higher octave. It, it didn't really offer me much else. But diminished. it was a great idea. <clears throat> Dis- um, diminished, diminished. 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 <laughs> it had great drum work. Uh, that was what I was really latching onto. And the drum work wasn't really centralized. It was nice. It was mutable. It was back and forth. And it played off the... Uh, more methodical uh, piano work. See, mutable. I can I could totally see that. Yes. I think that's an appropriate term for this type of song. It just I wanted more of this, and it's not just that I wanted more out of this. I wanted more of this on the rest of the album. I think it's um. time that I should mention that because after this, I'm sorry, but for me personally, the album took a little bit of a dive. Uh, True North was a track that really did not interest me until the last minute and a half True or so. was pretty much a standard indie rock track. There was nothing really special about it till towards the it's end. It's not even the indie rock nature of it. I'm not even sure I could really put it into a category, except that it didn't provide me with enough of a melody, enough of a... nothing to latch on to. Structure was kind of basic. Repetitive work. Drums were still solid, but not nearly as solid. The guitar half strums were pissing me off after a while. Yeah. It was really dead, dead, dead. I did not like that at all. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree at that point. Cause, yeah, but anyway, this just consisted. This this continued this way for about yeah, four minutes or so. And then we get this random influx of violin work yeah. that was just gorgeous. And should've, that should've that should have been, been the there. In the, yeah. yeah, I could have accepted this as a single vamp. It shouldn't if have that been, violin work was there. It shouldn't have been in the whole song. It should have been in two-thirds of the song. I think... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, of course. You need a little bit of an intro. I think the basic it, intro and then going into that violin would have supported the song a lot better. It was that too little, too late. Yeah. Well, not too little. It was, it, was a, it was a good amount, but definitely too late. It was like the bright chimes. Like, right at the end, you got something interesting that you wished were what you were looking for. Yeah. yeah I could definitely see that. It's disappointing to me. But getting to, to the next, like, after True North, Steve feels like the album was taking a downturn at this. I think 8, 9, and 10 are the strongest tracks on the album, and I'll explain why as we get to them. But starting with a request. Great, excellent vocal harmonization. Excellent work with the vocals. That's all that was there, really. I thought it was just I'm... a very nice sunset on the beach kind of mellow harmony track. I just really enjoyed the emotion that this track I'm, in, I'm inclined to agree with John here. The vocals were about all that was getting me here. Vocals, first of all, I should just put this out there. Vocals have never, ever been, and never probably never will be a bad thing when it comes to pinback. I think that it was so distinct to me at the time that I first heard it, and it will always be distinct to me. They could probably sing Lady Gaga songs, and I would listen to them because <laughs> of the way they sing. That's telling. Yeah, so that's not saving the whole song for me. That's this it like I in my head it's still just one aspect of mm. of their work and even though that was uh, that was solid that's all there was 
I'm, I heard the beachy feel that you got. I like it, it. It does seem like a nice song I could listen to passively, but I have never ever associated Pinback with passive listening in my life. And I disagree. I, I, I don't this think is was... where I, I I had to I tuned out. I completely disagree. I don't think it was passive at all. I think that that theme, the sunset on the beach theme, came through because of me actively listening to it. Just because it was mellow, I don't think it was passive at all. I very much enjoyed it. I focused more on the harmonies on this one, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think that it uh, a request definitely wasn't as strong as say Sherman or Drawstring, but I still thought it was a, a good solid track. I don't think it was well, bad. It's just a danger when the strongest songs are in the earlier part of the album. I like feeling like the album is going yeah, somewhere, but, and instead it just kind of plateaued. Yeah, but it didn't because to me, because nine and ten I really liked, especially ten. 10 All was right. my favorite track on the well, record. Let's kind of jump ahead here. Yes. Because 9, I was equally as uh, as dismayed with, to be honest. 9, you concur. John concurs. Again, using that little uh, flashcard system. <laughs> I liked 9. I thought that uh, Denslo, you idiot, was kind of quirky and bouncy. It wasn't anything amazing. Again, it was still kind of in this... Yeah, but what's quirky about it to you? Just the lyrics... The no like, the chords the way that they were playing and the lyrics the way they were oh, singing that's not my level of that's not what I qualify as quirky really no they went mainstream rock in this and I thought it was terrible they more really, mainstream than True North no 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 this had a real heavy rock sound to it and they don't do it the right way you know I'm I'm inclined to agree with that I wouldn't go as far as terrible I don't think anything in this album was really terrible true but. I do agree that as far as their heavier work, when they pull out the distortion, that, like, Pinback has a clean sound. They've had a clean sound for, for five, six albums. And, and yeah, it's, when they start to clutter it up with things like that, it's a little, it's a little disconcerting. Um, and as far as the quirkiness goes, I just don't hear it. I don't hear what you're hearing, Matt. I don't know. I thought it sounded kind of quirky to me, but I maybe i the I'm... opposite. I hear a little bit too much mainstream in it, in the chorus. Yeah, no, that was my my problem with this is that I mean, which may be it's to be quirky. expected of a band that's been sitting, you know, around for a while. They're bound to pick up on modern well, trends. Well, it, it's sort of quirky for them, like that's yeah. it is divorced from the rest of the track, and I will say that in of itself does make it a quirk, an oddity. But I don't think it works well for them. It definitely by far wasn't the best track on the record. It was probably no. one of the worst, but. But I will. I still don't think it was bad. Sediment. I will wholeheartedly agree, agree with you. This was the best song on the album. It had everything. It had it had this kind of progression to it. it the drums. It, the best to me. The best drum work on the record, and not because it was complicated or convoluted. It was just this. This. this it, it was it great. Was, and it's it was an. Today. It was an upturn after. A couple of disappointing tracks. I'll agree with that much. But it doesn't beat Sherman with me for me, and it doesn't beat the uh, the interesting parts of Diminish. I I disagree. I I liked the great build that they had in the song, the chorus, the drums, the piano shined through also, and then the harmonies were just ridiculous in this track. I won't say ridiculous. But, yeah, the harmonies were actually better in earlier tracks, but they were pretty good. Um, I just was held by the piano work so strongly I couldn't let go. It was great. It was just a great a chunk of piano, but the piano work was, but was got solid. Repetitive. It did. Get it did repetitive. get repetitive. Yes, 
But it, to me, I heard this the same repetitiveness in this in one of the tracks that you played for us before. The earlier stuff from uh, from Pim Dexter, Which, yeah, the, earlier that work. Piano area in that last you song know I what? listened to was so repetitive. When it comes right down to it, Matt, this might this might actually be a matter of like connecting. I I just I there was something I was not connecting with in this final track. Maybe I'll sit with it. Maybe it'll, it'll, it'll get better over time. Maybe. But um. There, there was something about their earlier work where they could actually vamp along a certain thing for, for a while, and I, I, I could stay interested for some reason. Maybe it's a headphone band. I, I, I really can't say what it is specifically. But um, Maybe. I just know something at the end here was just not grabbing me in this album. It's Let me get to the real rub here. I think this strikes me as the work of a band that has definitely matured over many years, but they're at that, that just at that turning point where they might not be doing their best work from here on in. They're probably going to be taking it a little bit easier. Maybe they have families. Maybe they, I don't even know the uh, personal situation here. It's just... I think it's too... They're pre- not in the heart of their creativity. I think it's too premature to say that they're at that point because you've only got one... Unless, unless the last album was along this route too, which you hadn't expressed previously, it's too... You can't... I feel like you can't base one album on a band hitting their, their plateau. No, um, I I did see it in the last album actually. Okay, well, that's um, different. I saw it a bit in Autumn of the Seraphs. Uh, I mean, it was not a bad album, but I don't know where I really go back to their debut album and Blue Screen Life. The, these are albums I really connected with for some reason, and I I don't know it. Perhaps it's because they had more defined melodies on the album, and that that's what I in listening to their early work because I did actually do that in the um. In the build-up to this podcast, I was going through their earlier work just to remind myself of certain mm-hmm. things. Because it's true, I haven't been in a pinback phase for a while. But their melodies were just so solid. They stuck with me. Here, it seemed rambly. I think, and from the songs that you showed me, you, you made me listen to, that you say were their better work. I didn't hear much of a difference. I didn't see better. I said more connecting. More connectability. Uh, okay, Maybe. Maybe I can see a little bit of that, but I will. I feel like this band. I think you're you're going too much. The old stuff is better. I think you may be doing that because I can name. Offspring, Disturbed, Dropkick Murphys. I mean, these are bands that I still love, but their old stuff is always my favorite because that's what I knew first. I think because I heard too many similarities between what you played me. And the new album. It didn't seem like they really changed how they were doing things. They were just actually becoming more complicated in what instrumentation they're using. Yeah, no, and I, a part of me almost thinks that I was a fan of the thinner, uh, less production work in Pinback. Which, it, it, there's, which always, is, there's always that line, like where sometimes I think, oh wow, this swooping production, it, it's it's this reminds really me of mean. something. So uh, when I first got into Taking Back Sunday, it was through one of their newer albums, um, Louder Now. Um, Liz, a friend of a mutual friend of ours, swore by their old stuff. I listened to the new album first and fell in love with it. It's still my favorite album. I went back and listened to their old stuff, didn't like it as much. And I think for me personally, that might be a case with this. Well, that's happened with other. I mean, but I'm saying for me personally, that's to be expected. You know, a band that had matured, and then right. you look at their earlier work, and um, and it's a little. Thing, a little immature, a little but that's what I'm saying. I might be experiencing personally with this. When you show me yeah. the older stuff, I didn't dislike it, but I think I like this better because it's different. It's more matured, even if you feel like it's kind of not the same kind of work you were looking for. I, you might actually even be looking at 
their earlier stuff being poorer produced, and you you gotta admit that part. Well, let me use a kind of a strange. Um, no, no wait, I do. Wait, wait, wait. I do admit that. Okay, they but had that, a more dis- strange comparison here. They had a more distinct sound. Higher production actually lends itself to more generic. Generic That's sound. Exactly where I was going with okay. this, and like it's the comparison I was going to make was uh, Green Day. Yes. Would you really want Green Day to have the full overproduction? That would totally lose the character of a of a a garage punk scene. But this this isn't. I don't feel like this is the decline like we've seen with the Killers or Jay. no. This is yeah. I'm totally over exaggerating this. I I, yeah. I do want to put that out there. This is not extreme, but it is a matter of of that connectability. I think their their melodies were simply better written. That that's not something that you need because you need they were fancy production with for. Less. They were working with much less. They were working with less, and perhaps so they, they were just tr- working from they, their hearts a little more. They tried harder. Perhaps I think so. that might be it. And I do think that ha- I mean Less again they have had five solid albums. It's not like I'm going to uh, you know abolish them completely from my library based on this. As they in- because they didn't they had to try harder because they didn't have the same level of tools and maybe even skills to work with mixing with production. Exactly. <clears throat> so that's the rub. <laughs> okay. So um, I guess I'll start to kind of uh, wrap up our. Uh, decision on this record to, to say though for sure I'm pretty confident that for this record it's a case of taking back Sunday for me like I think now if I go back and listen to their older stuff I'll like it but this might stay one of my favorites I mean I haven't heard you didn't play my, me really anything except one song from the last record before this one yeah, I think it was a bonus track, too. It was. It wasn't actually on the actual album. <laughs> Which was always my favorite track from that, actually. This is the funny thing. But as I said, that was from but, an album uh, that I did feel almost similarly as I did with this. Like, the start of the decline, perhaps. I don't know. But as far as Pinback goes, uh, Information Retrieved, I feel, is a very solid album. Um, there's no track I did not like. Um, there were tracks that I liked less than others. True North would probably be my least favorite because I found stuff in, in Denslow, you idiot, that you guys apparently didn't, which is fine. But um, but without a doubt, Sediment is my highlight track. That I could throw on any mix, and it would be a beautiful addition. I love that track. Um, but Drawstring is what really pulled me in. Um, I definitely want to hear this again. I definitely listen to it more. I think that this would get a solid four from me. I think that it's definitely above average, you know. Um, but with stuff like True North... Proceed to memory, and even and even diminished, which was you know, did was just missing something. It holds it back from being a true great work. Um, I and I'm also not really getting an arc here, like no, that was lacking with me too. Yeah, like that's what's really hurting it. Like emotionally connecting, I definitely connected sentiment. You know, drawstring Sherman, I felt something, and also in sound. Yes. But as far as as far as arc, it was definitely lacking, um, especially since we listened to two albums that had pretty strong arc. Yeah, I mean previously, if, if the arc is going to boil down to their sound, then of course it's very distinct. I've I, I've already spoken about the vocals, and then of course their instrumentation, their use of guitar. It's very everything they do is very clean. Uh, the way the guitar works off the bass, the very light, uh, sparing use of piano to complement the existing melodies. All that is in their style. That doesn't really 
it, it's what I love about them as a band, but that doesn't really contribute to arc on this album. The only arc really on this album is the lyrics. A lot of them have similar themes. It, as you put it, there's that twinge of sadness, and that's, oh, yes. and that's constant <laughs> through all the songs. And but so that's, and that's, what that's, I, that's another thing I do love about them. It's, that's more the vocal aspect as yeah. opposed to the lyrical aspect of right. it. Uh, I have yeah, to no, say, their lyrics can can go practically anywhere. It it is it's it's the overall tone of them. Uh, for me, this well, album. Let me finish. Oh, I thought you gave the. Uh, oh, sorry. I just wanted to finish. Uh, so uh, so. Uh, oh, I, uh, oh, well. <laughs> but, Mr. Uh, Fancy Pants finish this little review. <laughs> Continue. Stop making John cough and kill moment. him. He's down for the count now. <laughs> anyway, you but were saying P- Pinback is a band. I'm definitely interested to hear more of their work. I definitely will look into to more of it. But I I give this a solid four because I think that it definitely holds above about uh, holds itself above the standard average. But it's definitely not a you know a four point five or a five. Whereas if some of those elements that you were looking for from the earlier stuff were combined with the additional production. I think if that's shown through in this more, it could have been a much higher rated. Fair enough. Standard average. Not redundant. A little bit. A little bit. bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, All right. Oh, this album. It's, again, I don't mean to overreact, but this is most definitely a slide in the negative direction. And not for... Not for skill, not for talent. I think, to be honest, it boils down to their far-reaching idea of what they actually want out of their work. A, a, a vision. That's what I feel this album was lacking. Is that there was something about their earlier work that felt so so refined in its simplicity. They knew what they were going for. They achieved it. After, oh, 16, 32 bars of something, there would be this other another layer that would come over that would just just make that transition so worthwhile and then they'd bring it back ah and here i wasn't getting that i i heard i heard a sameness i heard great instrumentation but it was a sameness it was something about their tone that just did not seem like they had any 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 goal in the song except to oh yeah we haven't made an album in a while let's make an album and do what we do i'm sorry but that's just how i feel about this so For their, for their hard work at this, I gotta give it on the high side of the threes. It just does not make four though. Three seven five. In the plus column, intelligent, skilled, heartfelt, great vocals. In the negative, repetitive, a slight overproduction, and. Repetitive. Oh, wait, I said that. Oh, you said uh, that. That's a repetitive. 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 Repet, repet, repet. <laughs> and I did not like the way the uh, vocals and lyrics got drowned out a little bit too much. It is smart music. It is good music, but I agree with that. I think it was a little overdone, overripe. Overripe. That's an interesting way to put it. They couldn't just finish the song. They had to go back and try to finish it again when they really didn't need to. Adding in a little bit here, a little bit there, drawing out the song a little bit too much, I think that was the problem with this album. 
Hmm. Uh, I will still say, though, it is a solid four. This is a smart album. There's a lot of intricacy here that people should still be doing, and these guys have always done it, and they got to keep doing it because this is something that the masses really should hear. This has a lot of beauty and instruments you don't get in a lot of music nowadays, and I got to give it to them for them. Eh, it does. It does, and I can't, I can't refute any of that because this is exactly what I would have pitched about earlier Pinback. And why I can't pitch it now is just uh, something in my brain. I don't know. I think you've already heard these songs before by them. Perhaps. You know what? That's nail on the head. I think that's it. I don't think... I think I'm hearing exactly what their earlier stuff was, and I'm not hearing anything else. Maybe after five albums, I wanted, I wanted them to take it to the next direction. Right, as I, for me, the, hearing this for the first time, I really like it because I so don't know So you're getting it the stuff. way I got pinned back four Correct. years ago. All right. I think, I, I, I think that's a very, very uh, astute... John did well. Yeah. John did well. John did well. Give him a pack. Give me a little round of applause. A round of applause. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I think that's definitely actually pretty accurate. And I think that your your decision is also influenced by your love of the band's past. I mean, you know, I was obviously and clearly influenced by Eve Six my love of Eve Six's old work, but also I felt like they did still kind of go to the next level within that nineties constraint when we reviewed that record. Mm. Which is why I always go back to it. Um So I wanted to bring up something since we're we're wrapping up this uh this album review uh and it's been a while since we've had uh, a really solid topic but something very interesting happened recently the arguably popular show glee decided to take it upon themselves to cover baby got back i don't think you can say arguably popular it, it was quite popular it is popular it wasn't my thing per se but it was quite the rage. I was trying to be sarcastic, but but anyway, the the the, the meat <laughs> well, of the story is we can say whatever we want. We can't argue popularity. Yeah. It was popular. The, the 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 one of the new album, one of the new episodes featured a folk cover of "Baby Got Back." Fans of Jonathan Colton would recognize it as a complete ripoff of his cover of "Baby Got Back," and not just a complete ripoff, like a complete, total, and utter utter ripoff. This was a track which they actually released on a SoundCloud. Interesting little experiment here. They put the the Glee version of the track in the left ear and the Jonathan Colton version of the track in the right ear. And together you can hear in tandem how every single aspect of that song was identical. identical. Completely and totally identical. Um, and But that's not all. Fox. Fox itself decided not to give him any credit whatsoever. That's what pisses me off. Yeah, and and the thing is, is, and until they were put, you know, the Glee cast was essentially put in a corner, and the creators of Glee, and then they went, oh yeah, yeah, no, we don't claim to, to be our original cover. We took it from Jonathan Golden. See, obviously, the song originally done by Sir Mix-a-Lot, he gets a cut of a cover. That's how covers work. But Jonathan Colton should have gotten a cut too because it was identical to his version. So here's the thing. Does the fact that it's a cover of a cover make any difference at all? Legally, yes. Yes, it does. Legally. But um, in principle, should it? No. No, it shouldn't. And it's not a cover of a cover. It's a reproduction of a, of cover. a cover. That's true. 
Because a cover, a good cover, is something that takes a song that you're trying to pay homage to and doing it in your style, trying to bring your own individuality to the table, because this is how most of us learn, is by playing other people's work. We can actually gain a lot of knowledge from that. But the idea is that you're not, you're supposed to make it your own. You're not supposed to reproduce yeah. it note for note. Jonathan Colton's style is doing humorous folk and kind of indie rock music. And that's why he did Sir Mix-A-Lot song, Baby Got Back, in a folk style. Because it's funny. A white guy singing Baby Got Back in a folk style is funny on its own without changing anything except tempo and arrangement. It but, was like that uh, Ben Folds song, Bitches Ain't Shit. By Dr. Dre. Exactly. Very, very similar kind of tongue-in-cheek humor. You're going to do it in a folksy way, and it's going to be funny. But when Glee takes the same exact song, and first of all, Glee has done direct covers of songs by Jamie Foxx and other artists where they do the exact hip-hop or R&B or rap version. So why in this case, instead of doing the Sir Mix-a-Lot style version, they decided to, to completely rip off Jonathan Colton? There was no reason for it other than they thought they were going to sneak it past everybody. And then um, the other thing is, why be so uptight about it? Why not just give them the credit after the big snake has been made? Yeah, and so what ha- ends up happening is they admit that they, they borrowed it from him, but, um, but other than that, he was kind of left in the wind. And Jonathan Colton's actually written up saying that he's not the first artist this happened to. Glee has actually done this with several other artists as well. And it's just, it's not fair. You're going you're gonna to take someone's work and... Label it as your own, that's not fair. But Jonathan Colton being the intelligent and and above it all being that he is... Internet savvy, too. As well. Decided to release <laughs> Baby Got Back Again, but now it's in the style of Glee. And <laughs> he released it for 99 cents on iTunes. All proceeds go to charity, and he's made tons or of Or back money. to Sir Mix-a-Lot. Or, or back to Sir Mix-a-Lot. But he said it himself. It is a cover of Sir Mix-a-Lot, done by him, which was then done by Glee, which was then done by him. Right. He actually just re-released his original cover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's so great about it. <laughs> yes. But he never released it at cost. It was it was part of his greatest hits, and it was featured online, but he never released it for a right. price. So now he releases it in a very tongue-in-cheek way, in parenthesis, in the style of Glee, you know, quote-unquote. And is making plenty of what money style? for his charity. Glee's got no style. They don't have class anymore. But this, but this is not the first time something like this has happened before. I mean, when when Vanilla Ice claimed that Ice Ice Baby had nothing to do with Under Pressure and it was actually a different beat, which when proven when brought up in court, court he was proven completely wrong and had to pay out Queen anyway, pay out to Queen anyway. But he he said, oh, because the beats are a different tone, it's not the same as Under Pressure, when it was exactly the same. Well, that's the thing. In principle, or in a, a ideal, however you want to put it, Glee should be a show that's done in a similar style as Across the Universe. It should be paying homage to existing, very popular tracks, and doing it in their own original covers. Correct. I'm not down with this whole cover of covers thing. I think it's getting a little a little removed at that point. I believe this is more the mentality of Fox, which yeah. has been doing mm. rehashes of their own shows and other people's shows for years. And to be fair, like you can't fault the performers on Glee because they are talented singers and a lot of them do have of course, decent careers, you know, and they've done great work. But the show itself, the writers, they're ripping people off and it's not fair. 
and it's not. And and I mean, I, unfortunately, I'm sorry I don't have other specific examples of who else has been ripping, being find it that hard to believe, honestly. This and is- I suggest that you guys Google this article. Google Jonathan Colton gets ripped off by Glee, and you'll find that SoundCloud audio. Listen to it. Listen to it on headphones, and then listen to it on speakers. When you listen to it on speakers, it's mind-blowing. Because it's literally the same. Yeah. Exactly the same. What I did like was Forbes actually had an article on their website which calls out Fox and says, quote, they're stealing, yes, stealing this music. And it's not the first time. That's a direct quote. Stealing, yes, stealing. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I think it's, you know, you... I think, honest to goodness, bull. They're doing this across the board with a lot of their TV shows. Yeah. And uh, this is just something we can go, aha! Oh, All those people who didn't like... That sounded awful. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> well, John's voice was bound to crack at some point. We finally found the thing to crack it. Glee, congratulations. You did it again. <laughs> but I just... I, I like how, even though Jonathan Colton is clearly bothered by this and upset by it, he rose above it, and, and that takes a lot. Oh, he took the high road here, and I gotta have... I, you know what? I don't listen to his music. I'll probably buy this song. I did just that. because I don't listen to his music. I bought the song just because of the principle of the matter. Yeah. I, I really think like you know, no matter which way you put it, artists should be credited for using yeah. their work. I mean, they spent time to do it, and that arrangement. I mean, it takes so much from the original Sir Mix-a-Lot version. It's night and day, yeah. as far as tone and arrangement. He put his whole new spin on it, it's, and then Glee did nothing. Yeah. They did nothing to it. They yes, the guy it. sang it, right? It's not to impugn performers' work, but still. Glee should have some semblance of originality to it if they're going to take the route that they're taking as a TV show. Especially since in their past, because I've heard other covers they've done, they have changed them. They have made them their own. So why now all of a sudden to get lazy and stupid about it? It just doesn't make sense. I well, like- there was that theory going around that um, Glee may not work out as a season-by-season uh, season kind of show for that exact reason. Well, yeah, I brought up earlier that when you watch a musical... Let's use Sweeney Todd, for example. You're in this universe of Sweeney Todd, and you accept you're in this universe, so you accept that for this period of time, there will yeah. be songs, and there's the story. Whereas it's Glee, it's episode to episode, and I've heard from other fans and other critics that they're starting to not even continue to follow their own continuity. You know, from season to season, things are being retconned and changed that don't make sense for the overarching story. And that's going to happen. You're going to lose yourself when you do musical episode after musical episode after musical episode. That's why most modern sitcoms do a musical episode, not right. a season of musicals. That's why there's some people that, you know, there's definitely an, an, an anti-musical crowd out there who can't even take the, the mix of movies and music. And I don't mean that in the sense of soundtrack. Right. I mean that in the sense of breaking the fourth wall. Right. Literally just, just breaking out into song when you're in the middle of a plot. Right. And some people can't do it. Well, I know some people who just cannot do that. That's fair. I, I think it depends on the, on, on the situation and how well it's done. But really, to just dig the nail deeper to the coffin, when you're doing it for seasons on end, it's, it's, bound, to, it's bound to rub people the wrong way. And I think it, that's why the, the sentiment is what it is against Glee. Okay, I did watch the first season and a half of Glee. Because when it was new, they were actually very smart about it. And after a while, though, they were more kowtowing to uh, just trying to sell it to a group of people. 
because it's the kind of thing when a uh, when a sitcom takes a dive, it's just like, all right, all right, I, I can accept that maybe the stories but aren't as well. When a musical thing. takes a dive, no, it, no. it's blaring. It wasn't taking a dive; it was rising, and they decided midstream to just go top forty. Oh, you mean song choice, particularly? Particularly. Yeah, they stopped doing more classic stuff and different stuff. And Not even that of... they were choosing classic stuff, uh, new stuff over classic stuff. They stopped caring about making the music fit the theme. Ah. Okay. See, that, that's, that's the real love. Uh, and that hurts it. And they were, it was solid up until about three quarters through the first season. And then it started taking a dive, and it just got so bad. Yeah, and see, and that's, what I think, what yeah. pushed me away from the show is, like, I like musicals. Like, one of my favorite episodes of Scrubs ever is the episode where they bring in a patient who's got something wrong, so she hears everybody singing. And so when they do it from her point of view, the characters from Scrubs are singing, and it's great. Or Buffy, when the musical episode of Buffy, where it was a demon that was enchanting everyone oh, and forcing hush. them to sing. No, was that Hush? No, that wasn't Hush. It was someone else. No, 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 no. The name of the episode. Oh, maybe. It might have been. I don't remember. But, you know, and Xena did a musical episode, too. I think one of the gods had enchanted several musical episodes. Three or four. Something like that. Um, I just, I think that covers should, a good cover, there are a couple points to hit on a good cover. Either A, you do the cover in your style and completely differentiate it from the original band. But you do it in your voice. Or you do an homage to the original, but still tweak it ever so slightly. You don't have to, but make it clear cut. Hey, this is Stairway to Heaven. We're playing it like the original. Yeah. It's, Fair enough. If you're upfront about it, then there's no reason you can't cover it in the exact same style as the original artist. And Stairway is the perfect example because everybody has covered Stairway. Stairway is the most reproduced and not changed song ever. Yeah. It is very coverable. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah. I mean, I, on, on the whole, I agree with that assessment. It, it, it's, it's times <laughs> like this where I do actually get a little bit tired of covers... Um, as 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 legitimate releases, I think there should be um, kind of. A, you said Jonathan Colton used it as more of a. He didn't try to sell it originally, right? Originally, yeah. Jonathan. And I think that was the same thing, deal with the Ben Fold song. I, Jonathan Colton's original thing is when he first started becoming a bigger internet music sensation. He did something called a thing a week, where he forced himself for a long period of time to release a new song every week well, online. Now that that's and for free. That's impressive. And for free. And then he started putting them together in albums, you know, Thing a Week Volume 1, Thing a Week Volume 2, and then sold them. And then eventually released The Greatest Hits, Joko's Greatest Seuss Hits. Right <laughs> but, but um, you know, the Sir Mix-a-Lot song, when I first heard it, I loved it because Jonathan Colton clearly has a sense of humor. He has plenty of funny songs, but he's also a talented musician who does great folk indie rock. And he has songs that are not necessarily serious, but aren't... A joke. They're just kind of songs about a thing, and and so the Sir Mixlot song was obviously very much a cover of Sir Mixlot. But when you have a white guy singing in a soft voice the same thing that Sir Mixlot was singing in that very in-your-face rap song, it's so much funnier because it takes on almost a whole new meaning. Yeah, it's entertaining. And the fact yeah. that Glee took something that was clearly Jonathan Colton's voice and said it was their voice, or didn't say it was their voice necessarily, but didn't. Def- didn't say it was someone else's voice. Is just it's stealing, plain and simple. It was theft of Jonathan Colton's voice and talent. I agree. Um, 
Yeah, like I said, when it comes to covers, I, I think that's when we're moving into really bad territory with the whole covers of covers. Yeah. Because then we're moving so far away from the artists that, you know, you forget about Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> it's but, his song. Exactly. But yeah. one cover is fine, as long as it's not, like, I'm not a fan, I'm going to put this out there, I'm not a fan of covers that are released on a, um, on an album. Uh, one group that, uh, what are they called? We were talking about them last week. Motown. Mm. Motown. Motown, 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, everything was covered. That's true. That, covered. That, is a, that is, that's a good point. But they weren't identical, the covers. They changed them. Uh, not always. No. Well, I guess it depended on the song. Uh, Twist and Shout. That mm. was almost verbatim. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the covers of Twist Actually, and Shout that, that are very is, much that the is, same. That is yeah. true. That is true, yeah. And and then again, I, I will always prefer the Beatles original. I will, too. But but there are other versions that are good. Well, the Beatles oh, were the original. Oh, no. Well, we look at that. that. We just stumbled on no, my, I knew my, that, my yeah. exact point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Beatles was one of the most popular versions. That's the thing. And this is something something I usually get mad at. Is when, no, you don't remember the original who actually did it. But that's yeah. the funny thing is that well, the, the farther away you move from the original, people are bound to make mistakes at this department. Of course. And so the Beatles were one of the most popular, so that's why you thought it was the original. There you go. So who was and, it? Do you remember? I don't remember the original artist. See? Problem. Yeah. Uh, well, that's because the original didn't do it as good. Oh, see? And you don't know, know that, though. I, I know the original. I can't remember who did it. And I do like the Beatles version best. Yeah, I had to but do something with that Lennon's uh, rasp there. Kind of oh, like, yeah. like yours, a little bit. I bet you could do a fine twist and shout right now, John. Let's not test that. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, well, I liked, uh, see, that that was one of the things about the early Beatles kind of getting off track a little bit, is that that version of Twist and Shout, I loved how John Lennon wasn't trying to sound clean and clear like his later stuff. And that song, he had no problem getting that hard rock kind of raspy voice just going for it. Right. That was right after Germany. Yeah. That's why. There is yeah. another exception to this rule, and that is jazz. Oh. Jazz, infinitely coverable. Because literally, it, it, it's not, it, it is made. that Jazz artists write their songs to be covered. Because what they do is they write the lead sheet. All yeah. you have is the simple chords with the lyrics and, and the one-line melody over it. In, but as far as those chords are concerned, you can play them any number of ways. Which is why they've been redone for hundreds, <laughs> like, okay, hundreds, <laughs> decades, right? Yes. And it will be a hundred years, I guarantee there are some songs there that... That will never stop being covered. And there's actually another type of genre of music, love it or hate it, that also does tons of covers, and that's lounge singing, actually. Richard Cheese has made a career out of covering, doing lounge versions of hard rock songs, like by Rage Against the Machine, Nine Inch Nails, and they're hysterical, just like the, the Jonathan Colton stuff, because it's just such an opposite style. And the reverse has been done, too. Um... Well, hard rock songs uh, from from original lounge songs or standards yes. from the fifties and stuff. Yes, though nowadays things are becoming remixes as opposed to covers. That's also true. There are lots of that as well. But, but let me just explain for a second why I feel this is the um, j jazz and some of these other standards are, are the exceptions because, because um, they're always off the cuff. That's, yes, that's yes. the they soul. they lend themselves to a lot of improvisation and an infinite number of arrangements. So that when you do that cover, literally half, probably seventy five percent of that song will be your work. 
That's why it can be released. That's why jazz artists make careers off them these days. But when you're doing it off of um, a more rigid, uh, recently released track, it if you're just covering it, such as Glee did John Colton, that's not a cover, in my opinion. That, no. That's just blatant plagiarism. It is. Well, some uh, groups and acts like Blue Man Group. Blue Man Group kind of covers itself every time it does a show because it's always something different, always something unique in that particular case. Electronica, complete remixes. If you go to a show, you're going to hear something new. You're not going to hear the same thing you heard on the album. Yeah. But it's going to be similar. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Remix is almost a modern cover, to be honest. We're releasing whole entire remix albums, such as the one we did. But, again, we did not listen to the original Live Live. Oh, that's right, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I I just thought it was... I I just do think it was very important, though, to bring this up because, well, A, I'm a Jonathan Colton fan, but B, because it's just... I'm hoping that this will bring to light the fact that it's not okay to plagiarize the, the the base reality of it is is Sir Mix Lot's version of Baby Got Back and Jonathan Colton's are completely different songs practically. The only thing that yeah that that seventy five twenty five that I'm talking about yeah and so for Glee to sound exactly like Jonathan Colton's means they were ripping him off because they couldn't have extrapolated that from Sir Mix Lot. There's no way. It's, not not in exactly the same way. Stop saying Glee. This is Fox. Yeah. No, it's true. It's, mm. I am pissed at them for just one more reason. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the only station that pound for pound has great writers on every show is, is like USA and BBC. They're the only two out there right now. Um, I might disagree, but it's not worth arguing semantics because you're absolutely right that Fox is a toilet as far as what they're doing with their content. And this... this Example. They've always great. had. They've always had like they. They would have great ideas, and then they would cancel them. Like Firefly, yeah. Futurama, Family Guy. Yeah. Um. Andy Richter controls the universe. I could go so on. So basically, Fox has ADD. Yeah. That. That's pretty much it. They go. Well, I'm interested. No, I'm not. They yeah. only like things that they feel can be infinitely marketable. Well, the problem is also now we're going to get into mm. modern TV and modern marketing <laughs> of TV. Not a lot of stations will let something flounder for a season or two and let it find its footing. I mean, that's why Arrested Development got canned, which was also Fox. FX, USA, Sci-Fi, Comedy Central. These are exceptions to the rule. Well, I'm talking standard networks. NBC, CBS, and and, and uh, Fox. ABC and uh, the CW will. How many networks do you have to name before exception of the rule becomes meaningless? <laughs> well, no. I'm it's a I finite amount of no. networks. Of the five big, NBC, ABC, Fox, CBS, CW, those five, three of them don't. Three of them have ADD. Yeah. And only two will let their, 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 their shows kind of find their footing. And UPN doesn't count. Because lo- that's where shows kind of die. If you're, well, there's also some shows that will present their entire... Uh, their entire series scripts, well, not the entire scripts, but ba- the basic ideas, the basic arc of the show in the beginning. And those shows, I mean, as long as it's promising, but the thing is that's a big commitment. They need to, the network needs to know that that's going to consistently be interesting the entire time. But at least the show is honest about itself. Yeah, but truth be How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, that show's been going on way too long. Good example. 
Because there's something that they had the Ark. The Ark was, was perfectly presented. And meeting the mother. That's the end game. Yeah, and to some extent, I'm sure that they had planned the uh, the the sub stories there. Oh yeah, um, I think it was the smaller notes that they didn't have planned out. But, but that's the thing. That was that was an example of something they 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 said. All right, fine. We're gonna we we believe in your arc. We're gonna let you do your thing, and then it went south. Yeah. So that's the you know this is the kind of thing that networks are afraid of. And so but that's, not all networks. That's that's a little bit of of leeway that I'll give Fox is that. They're too scared of that happening. It's the opposite. They're they're not taking enough risks, and then but there's proof that taking risks. risks are worth it. And and we're kind of getting on a tangent, but I don't get to talk TV often. But even though I haven't seen the shows, there's a network that's thriving on cable, taking tons of risks, and that's AMC, Mad Men, Walking Dead, and Breaking Bad. All would have never survived on a major network, on a a you know basic network. But because they're on cable, and because AMC is pretty much letting the shows do what they do well, best, AMC likes to pride itself on shows that have a, a, a vast. Arc. But that's very new. Only the last within the last three or four years, AMC used to just play American movie classics. That and right, oh, but they have more money now. And yes, they realize that. Well, oh, that was the other thing. People, not everybody had cable in the old days, and now but, almost everyone has some but access. Because, to but, but because they're on cable, they're they have the flexibility to kind of fumble around and and find their footing and and they've done that and they have three huge shows internet helps too yes i agree um i've seen all three of those shows i'm not a big fan of breaking bad um i never had the chance to really get into mad men uh but all three of them are actually extremely solidly built their quality program. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much agree with that too like it may not be my thing but i i, I yes i accept that it has a a point to it. <laughs> That's why I like USA, because AM, uh, AMC goes for high, high levels of quality. USA goes for high, high levels of quirk. Yeah. The Killing was pretty much a, a two-season movie. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Phenomenal. But Psych, Monk, which is now gone, Burn Notice, I mean... These guys suits they go yeah. for quirk they go for oh you watch you watch the first season of Burn Notice watch the third season of Burn Notice first season was good third season was better because they got it they knew what they were going for they made certain characters more of a mainstay that weren't before you know and that's that in the old days you know with some networks they don't let if, if Burn Notice was on Fox it would have been canceled after the second season maybe first. Uh, now it's up to like six, something like that, and yeah. it's it's gone up and down and around. And I mean, it's a show with Bruce Campbell, and you're <laughs> not. No, you don't watch it. For That's Bruce the thing. Bruce for Campbell. once, you're you not gonna watch it because it's Bruce Campbell. He's not my favorite character, really and I love Bruce Campbell. But in that show, they made Jeffrey Donovan's character, you know, Michael Weston, just so interesting and so charismatic that you can't help but focus on that character. Which is and the point. That's what every one of their shows has. It has a lead that really just captures an aspect of your imagination. And it's the opposite, too. You're not going to take it less seriously because it's Bruce Campbell. <laughs> it's actually Bruce Campbell in a very solid uh, television role. Yeah, yeah really but it's, it's, it's weird. But getting back on track, uh, just... Oh, right, this is a music podcast. Yeah. Oh, oh wow, we totally jumped the shark. Whoa. But, but to get things back on track, yeah, so clearly... Jonathan Colton, e- even though he was wronged, was the better man, and this is why he's one of my favorites, and I 
Um, I'm hoping to get him on the pad- podcast in the future since he does live in the New York the area. The podcast. The podcast. Yeah, I went, I guess, Boston there for a minute. And, and, he was What well, was that John Madden? I'm sorry, I can't no. hear you. What, what John he, Madden? What are you saying? I'm going to punch you in the face. He was wronged and is coming out better than they did. Oh, yeah, sparkling. That's the kicker. Yeah. And um, for those listening, if you get the chance, please go to iTunes or wherever he's selling the yeah, song. Yeah, it's 99 cents. Buy it. Buy just, it. Just buy the song. Support this guy because he deserves it. I already have the song and I'm going to go buy it. Because it's Baby Got Back, parenthesis, in the style, style of Glee. Correct. By Jonathan Colton. Um, <laughs> so, so Yeah. No, he's definitely a genius, for sure. Um in uh, wrapping up, I guess we'll first hit our uh, fan mail of the week uh, yes. before I start our closing stuff. All right. This week, very nice comment. Thanks for the site. I need advice for investments. Perhaps beers? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Stop killing See, that's John. That's the thing. We, we've just you know, gone on a whole television rant. Next time, maybe we should talk a little bit about investments. And beers. Well, and beer. Well, no. He, they, they want. They are actually asking us out. Oh. They want us to go out with them and have beers and uh, talk with the investments to them over beers. Because clearly, we're people. Maybe they'll know buy. Investments. Maybe they will buy. Maybe. Well, the, the, the they this, would be North Face Jack. This women. is like an episode of Mad Men. Oh yeah, totally. Sure, totally. Indeed. Can't even take that seriously. Um. Thanks, North Face Jacket women. That's. Perhaps beers. Perhaps. 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 Um, I should have thought that was a doozy. That was a good pick. That would make you lose your turn of thought. Yeah, that would. Um, all right, well, first we'll start with um, um, It's My Pick Next Week, and yep. we're going to go for a little British pop music. Uh, one of my favorite artists from Across the Pond, Robbie Williams, and his new album, Take the Crown, which came out at the end of last year. Across the Pond? That's what they say about us. We don't say that about them. Why not? And I cannot believe totally you said him instead of Paul McCartney. Like, there's Paul, there's four people. I said pop. Pop. Yeah. Paul McCartney's more classic rock at this point than pop. No. Well, I don't know. <laughs> pop for then. Yes. And pop for now. He is a lot of pop right now. We'll see how Robbie does. I don't, I don't know if I consider him pop. But anyway, um, uh, Robbie Williams. You want to spend another hour in this? I am ready. Yeah, <laughs> go. We have we our our Beatles podcast is locked and loaded for a different date, and we'll uh, actually be talking about that the more in the near future. Is killing me. But anyway, yes, my pick for next week is Robbie Williams' "Take the Crown," which is his newest record. We had talked about "Candy" on the podcast before, which was the first single off of it. Um, I want to tell everyone that um, our iTunes page has been fixed. You can now find all thirty of our podcasts now thirty one after t- after this one goes up. Um, on iTunes, as well as our new uh, logo that was created. Uh, oh man, I should have remembered his name. A friend of ours to the podcast, Carrie, who does articles for the website. One of her good friends helped us make that logo. I'll give him credit in the next podcast when I f- double check what his name is. Our cords are finally crashing now. Finally, after all this time. <laughs> nope. Okay, fine. Just keep keep going. You think? Wah wah. <laughs> um. Of course, guys, please donate um, and uh, comment on iTunes. That's why I was bringing up iTunes. Um, The more comments and reviews we get, the more likely we are to be featured on on iTunes, get more downloads. So please do that. Um, Bad reviews, good reviews. We prefer good reviews, but I'll take any review at this point. Um, 
So please go head over to iTunes and write us a review. John yeah, come on, spam pantomiming folks. something. Spam uh, folks, give us some reviews. Yeah. Um, and of course, you can email email us your comments and questions at crashcourseblog at gmail.com. Um, also, recently, I added to the website the individual emails of the podcasters. So if you'd like to reach us individually with recommendations for the podcast, suggestions, albums, um, please do that. Um, I guess that's really it. Um, I definitely uh, want you guys to go download that Jonathan Colton track because I want to support him in any way we can. And uh, in closing, as always... I want John to give us our sign-off. In the style of John Madden. And, 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 music is life, and, 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 life, life is good. Oh, shut up.